What up, coaches? Welcome to Keep Your Pads Down. We are the podcast for all things defensive line play. We are coming at you from the beautiful Texarkana, Texas, on this last Monday of January. Thank you for checking us out today. All right, well, first of all, just just really quick reaction uh, to the games, the NFL games this weekend. Now, at, at, at the time of this recording, the Chiefs and Bills are still going on. That, that game is still uh, in doubt. Uh, whoever ends up winning that game is going to be facing Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And I got to tell you, you know, whether you you love Tom, you hate him, you got to respect what he has done, not only this season, but really throughout the whole span of his career. You know, first of all, think about this year, going to a brand new organization, uh, really no training camp. They're out there, at, you know, high school fields, throwing the ball around and stuff. And then uh, really takes them a while to, to, to gel and, and get going. And then and now he's gone on the road and won three playoff games on the road at the age of 43. Uh, so it's just a, a really amazing thing to watch to see those guys pull it out uh, against a very good Packers team. But and I'm sure this is going to get a lot of uh, discussion today, a lot of ink in, in newspapers and in columns across the, the United States. But what were the Packers thinking, kicking the field goal late? I mean, I don't know. It's uh, it's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback. And, and, you know, and sometimes we as coaches can be the worst ones about that. But, but, but to give the ball to Tom Brady uh, in a moment when he's come through so many times, I just, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that was, was a great decision. But anyway, great weekend of football and, and really enjoyed watching, watching those games. Okay, before we get to today's guest, I want to tell you a little bit about our podcast sponsor. You know, uh, I am the recruiting coordinator on our staff and, and the default social media guy, which means, you know, it usually falls on me to create graphics to, to promote our athletes or, you know, our school and our program, which I'm sure, like a lot of you, I know very little about. But that's why GoEdit Graphics is so cool. GoEdit Graphics allows any coach to create custom graphics in minutes by changing the colors, text, and images to make it their own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, communication, to name a few. The platform is easy, affordable, and no design skills are needed. GoEdit Graphics is a great way to showcase all your sports and athletes, and subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Now, here's something cool that GoEdit is doing for KYPD listeners. Mention Keep Your Pads Down and receive $25 off your Showcase yearly package. You can check out at GoEdit Graphics on Twitter to see the custom graphics coaches are already creating and request a quick 10-minute demo on goeditgraphics.com. Also, all of the graphics we use for our podcast this season will, will be created through GoEdit, so you can check out our Twitter feed for examples of the types of custom graphics you can create for your athletic program. So go check them out. Let them know you heard about them here on KYPD and get $25 off your showcase yearly package. All right, well, let's get to today's guest. Today, I'm excited to be talking with Wachita Baptist defensive line coach, Came Brian. Now, for those of you who don't know, Wachita Baptist, a Division II school there in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, really not too far from here in Texarkana. Uh, very familiar with them. Uh, they were uh, in, in our in our conference when I when I was playing at Harding, and that's always been kind of a a rivalry between those two schools. And we talk about that a little bit today. Now, like most, if not if not all, Division II schools, OBU did not play a football season in 2020. But they did finish atop of the Great American Conference in the three prior seasons from 2017 to 2019 and really have emerged as one of the top defensive units in the country during that span as well. 
Now, the 2020 season would have been Coach Bryant's first as a D-line coach for the Tigers, but his second stint with OBU after spending a season at Blinn Junior College as the offensive line coach. While at Blinn, Coach Bryant helped the offense average 454 yards per game, and he helped guide the offense to a top-five national ranking in total offense. Coach Bryant also helped Blinn to its first bowl game in four years. In his first stint at Wachita, Coach Bryant was a graduate assistant coach for the Tigers between 2014 and 2017. While at Wachita, Coach Bryant worked with running backs and was a member of the 2014 coaching staff that led Wachita to a perfect 10-0 record and a 2014 Great American Conference Championship. Coach played at fellow Great American Conference affiliate Southwestern Oklahoma State University, where he played right tackle and started 41 consecutive games for the Bulldogs. Today, Coach Brian and I talk about how the Tigers defend the run and discuss some of his favorite drills and coaching cues, and then we get into how he breaks down an opponent's offensive line and quarterback when deciding how to defend against the pass. We then close out with a few lighthearted questions where Coach Brian tells us which coach he would like to have dinner with if he had the choice and where he would take them, which, you know, by the way, we can, we get into this in our discussion today, but I never really thought about it before, but if you're traveling around, you know, the country somewhere and you need solid restaurant recommendations, ask a college coach that recruits that area because they will no doubt know all of the best places to eat, probably better than any TripAdvisor app or anything that you, that you could find on your phone. Um, but and if you're a college coach listening to this, you're probably nodding your head. Anyway, I really enjoyed talking with Coach Brian and excited for you to hear what he has to say. So let's get to it. Here is Coach Kane Brian on episode number 90 of Keep Your Pads Down. Coach Brian, welcome to the podcast. Now, I'm going to go ahead and address the elephant in the room here. You're coaching at Wachita Baptist. I played at Harding. Those two programs have always you know, always been rivals, and, and I think that rivalry has even ramped up in recent years due to the, the success of, of both programs. But anyway, hey, I'm just letting you know right off the bat, I'm putting all that aside, and I'm thrilled that you were able to join us today. Yeah, absolutely. And and I guess, man, it feels like forever since y'all played, but uh, I got to watch that game. And I, I believe it was the last time y'all played at y'all's place and you guys won in a in a close one. And it was a really great game. And just uh, there's a lot of years, uh, a, lot, a, a rich history between those two programs. And it's good to see that both of you are doing so well. Uh, so let's coach, let's just jump right into this. Uh, you're from Oklahoma originally. And now you find yourself there in Arkadelphia. So why don't we uh, we get started with you just filling in the gaps for us on, on where your football journey has taken you. Yeah, so uh, I'm from Western Oklahoma. I played uh, high school football at Thomas, um, Oklahoma. And then I got recruited by several schools. And then I ended up going to – then I went to Southwestern Oklahoma State where I played uh, offensive tackle. I played there, uh, I guess, five years, started four started uh, 40-some games, and then from there I went to Cisco Junior College out in Cisco, Texas. I coached there for a year, coached uh, O-line and D-line. Job here at Washington as a GA. There I ended up going to Bland Junior College um, and uh, coached offensive line there. And then Coach Knight called me back and said he had a D-line opening, and 
I took it. Didn't even know how much I was getting paid. I just knew I wanted to work with him and work in a great program like this. And and so you haven't always been a defensive line coach. So just talk about you know how that came about and and you know what that adjustment's been like for you. Yeah, you know, I I would say I have more of an offensive line background. You know, I played D line and, and coached to the uh, coached it, you know, at a JUCO, but um, it was more uh, he knew the type of person I was, the work ethic I had, and you know the the amount of time I pour into those guys. Um, and I would say it was a fairly easy transition from understanding, you know, how an offensive line steps and works and trying to teach those teach the D line the scheme of the O line and that was a that was a pretty easy transition to relay that info. But, you know, I had a pretty good help our defensive coordinator, Roy Thompson. He he, he has a D line background. He played in high school, played in college. Um I've learned a ton from him and he made that transition pretty easy. But I had a really good relationship with the old D line coach that, that was here, Sam Dunham, but he went to GF North Carolina and stuff. So um, all those relationships and being around those guys and just the background that I had made that transition really easy. And, um, you know, I think it made it pretty easy on the guys as well. Now, was was coaching always something that you knew you wanted to do or was that something that, you know, that, that you figured out uh, maybe in college or later on in life? You know, go, going into um, college, you know, but I wasn't 100% sure because I have zero coaches in my family. Um, I did have educators. Both, both my parents worked in the public school system. Um, and, and I think it was when I got to college and built that relationship um, with my offensive line coach and just seeing the way those coaches impacted us and the, and the amount of time that we spent, I thought that was a calling for me. And, and I feel like at a young age when playing, I had a pretty good uh, – relating to the players and getting our point across. Even even as a player trying to help with technique, talk about scheme, um, that came pretty easy for me. And, you know, after that, I, I thought, yeah, this is kind of the route I need to go. And, you know, I really didn't even think it was going to happen. I didn't really get a call for my first job until July. I was planning on just going back to volunteer at my high school just so I could get some uh, um, experience. You mentioned your offensive line coach there in college. Uh, who were some other people or, or coaches who really influenced you, you know, as a young player and, and, and made you want to become a coach? You know, definitely him. And then, you know, the coach that originally recruited me there, um, Brian Hill, he's now a running back coach at Nebraska. We built a good relationship. And then the offensive line coach that recruited me, um, Russell Gaskin, Played at the University of Texas, just the knowledge and um, what they taught me. And then, you know, as I grew, um, you know, when I met Coach Knight, um, I, I think that's that's the thing that kept me growing and hungry. Um, j- just it was more than just football to him. It was about building a total man, about building these players so when they graduate, um, that they can start a family, they can be a husband. Um, they can be a good business person. They, they can be a very good tool for the society. And just seeing the way that he's done the, the way he ran it, the way he communicated with those guys, it was just something that I feel like I wanted more of, and I, I think that's helped me grow um, and just 
just really increase that passion uh, to coach and be around these guys really from him. Looking on back on your on your coaching career up to this point, uh, just talk about some highlights uh, that that you've experienced so far. Yeah, you know, a pretty big one for me. Um, you know, when I was at Blinn, it was one of my, I guess you could say, one of my first full time jobs. Um, and we got we we ended up being ranked number four in the country at one point, scoring a lot of points. That that was pretty cool. Um, and then my first year had. Here as a D-line coach, um, we went undefeated. I think we gave up like nine point some points a game that year, average in the regular season. Uh, that was pretty phenomenal um, when we go back and look at that. And then, you know, the next year we won conference again. So right now we're sitting at, a, I think, 27 straight conference wins, which is unbelievable. And when you sit here today and think about it, it's kind of crazy. I, I think we're more blessed than anything with a great group of of guys and a great support from, you know, administration and community. And it's kind of crazy, you know, to think that we've won that many games in a row. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely an impressive run you guys are on. And, and, and with you guys being really kind of in my backyard and our backyard, it's, it's nice to see, uh, it's nice to see you doing so well. So, okay. Anytime I get a college guy on here, uh, and, and especially smaller small school college guys, I love asking them about their grad, their, their GA experiences. You know, uh, you played football with RDB's coach here uh, at, at Pleasant Grove, Jonathan Darby. He's been on the podcast before. You know, he talked about when he was a GA at at uh, Southwestern, you know, working the college rodeo and having a transport hamburger meet and stuff and I just do all this crazy stuff. Uh, you're a GA there at, at, at Wachita. Any crazy or unusual GA stories that you have for us? It's not really anything that crazy, but I remember it vividly. We, we have a team, we had a team room that just had desks in it, like you're going to have in a, um, in a classroom. So they all moved. And I bet there was 150 desks. And I remember before every visit, me and the other GA are, we pretty much get the dang tape measure out. And we're measuring, keeping me straight. Because one thing you learn about Coach Knight, he's very particular. And I don't know how many times we had to move those desks before. I know it's not really a funny story, but it's more of a lot of work than anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, somebody's got to do it. And usually that kind of work falls uh, falls, uh, falls to the GAs. So, all right. Well, then here's, a, here's another thing I usually ask uh, college guys, you know, because I always find this fascinating when, you know, because I have friends who are, who are college coaches and when they got into college coaching, you know, there's not really like, at least that I know of, a book that you sit down and read and say, hey, here, coach, here's how you go and recruit kids. You know, here's how you do it. You just kind of like guys sort of just they learn on the fly and they watch older guys. And so just talk about that experience, you know, being out on your first recruiting trip, being out on the road for the first time and going and talking to kids. What was that like? And you know, maybe some stories from that. You're 100 right. There's nothing. It's like here. I'm gonna throw you into the fire, figure it out. It's fun and very frustrating at the same time. You know, I got to go a couple times with a full-time guy, but I'm, I'm not sitting in there listening to everything they say. The you know the first story that's pretty funny. My first ever recruiting trip. I'm going um, to watch a football game, a high school game in El Dorado. I take my wife. My the coach tells me. Here's what time it is, all that stuff. Well, I get down there, um, and I'm at the wrong spot. He told me the wrong place. They're not even playing there. I think 
that's like three hours away. Oh, so, wow. So I wasted a trip. My wife is frustrated at me because we're just sitting there driving and I'm getting mad. But, you know, I, I think that's the part about coaching smaller college football is the experience that you get. The amount of time that we spend on the road driving to see these kids. I mean, we're driving all the way from uh, North Louisiana, East Texas, Houston, parts of Oklahoma, Northwest Arkansas. Just those experiences that you get, I think that's really where you learn. It's a trial and error type of deal, sitting down with these kids and, and you know just really communicating uh, the philosophy and the culture that we're trying that we've established here at Washington. Absolutely. And I got to imagine that being at a place like Wachita, where you've had the success that you've had, it's a little easier you know, to, to go out, especially, you know, in, in the area that, that, that you're in where th- those areas you just mentioned where Wachita is, is, is well known and the success, the success is known in this area. So I got to imagine that makes it a little bit easier to walk into a school or to a, you know, a kid's house if you're going on a home visit and talk to them about coming to your school. Yeah, no doubt. I've been on two, two opposite ends of that. I've been on a program where we're struggling to win and trying to get kids to come, and that was difficult. Now I'm in a situation where I said, hey, man, you get to come here and get a quality education and you get to win a lot of football games and you get to, you get to show them the evidence. And, and that, that, that's real. I wouldn't say it's easy, um, but it's very eye-opening for those kids to see that the opportunity that they have in front of them. And, and it does make those conversations a, a lot easier when you're winning football games because I've been on another end and it, it, it's tough. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, let, let's get into some D-line stuff now. You know, you guys uh, at OBU have, have been really stout against the run over the years. So I guess talk about how, you know, how you've been able to be so successful shutting down opponents' run game. Yeah, I, I think first it, it starts with the philosophy of our defensive coordinator. There's two things that we talk about that we live by um, that are going to be ingrained in these kids when they graduate from OBU. First one is BBR, vicious, violent, relentless. We want guys that love football, that want to play with that motor, that want to be violent, that that are just going to play to that whistle. If those kids on film don't show that, we're not recruiting them. And and you can see um, the way our kids play. And and another thing that we live by, we call it 959. It's something that we grade. So we're talking about nine guys, five yards from the ball, 90% of the time. Um, you'll see the defense out there doing up-downs. It doesn't matter. It's the Monday after a game. Um, it, it's during practice. Um, we're going to get those up-downs because we're going to run to the football. And I think that's where it started right there. These guys, these players came in with that mindset, this is how we're going to live. This is what we're going to do. And they, and they've adopted it. They've adapted to the way we want to do things. And they've bought in and they just they play hard. You know, we're not going to be bigger and faster and stronger than anybody, but the things you're going to see us do, we're not going to make mistakes. Um, we're going to run to the football, and we're going to make smart football plays. And, you know, I, I think that's why we've been so successful, just overall on defense. And we're sure stopping the run just because of the physicality that we've adopted up there, just the mindset that we're, we're going to win every rep. I think one of the – you mentioned something there, and I love the 959 – uh, concept and idea, you know, I, I think something that's overlooked when it comes to great defensive football uh, is, is emphasis on pursuit. You know, we all talk about it, but I, I, 
I would imagine that are you guys doing some type of pursuit drill? Is that is that something you guys are doing in order to get that out of them? How are you gauging that or measuring that in practice? Yeah, so we, we do a pursuit drill right right after stretch before we go into group. It depends on the time of the year, but we try to get in twice a week, um, a run pursuit um, and then a pass pursuit. The pass pursuit is more just talking about pass rush lanes and finding the ball. The run pursuit is talking about taking the proper angles, you know, uh, our reverse boot, our cutback player, all that stuff. So they know those standards are set for them in ball camp. And then we'll, we'll pick certain segments out of practice and grade, and they know our standards. The guys know uh, when it's a bad day at 959. We don't even have to tell them. They're ready to run down the next day. And I think that's what's made us successful because those guys have bought into that philosophy, and they know those standards. And those standards aren't going to waver no matter what. It don't matter if we have the first end or the fifth end. They, they all know, um, you know what, what's expected and why it's to be done to be I guess, and I'm glad you you said that because I think it's the the pursuit drill is one of those drills that's it's usually the first thing to get cut from a defensive practice because you know you want to get to your inside stuff, you want to get to your seven on seven, you want to get to implementing your scheme for the week, but you know if you're not if you're not getting not like you're saying nine guys to, to within five yards of the ball ninety percent of the time, then whatever you got on that script it, it ain't gonna matter much. No, I'm just saying you're one hundred percent right. Everyone gets cut up in scheme, 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 but if your fundamentals are terrible, it doesn't really matter about scheming. It, it doesn't matter what kind of guys you have out there. If, if you can't play with those fundamentals and, and do those core values um, that those defensive guys need to do, it, it's going to be a long day at the office. Yeah, you know, and, and this really, uh, uh, this, this point was brought home to me when I was at a clinic uh, a couple years ago. And and Rod Marinelli, who at the time was you know the defensive line coach and and, and defense coordinator for the Cowboys, was speaking, and uh, you know he was showing us old old grainy film from I guess it's not that old, but but older film when from when he was with the Buccaneers when they won the Super Bowl, and you know all those guys on that defense. He's showing clip after clip after clip of those guys running pursuit drill. You know Derek Brooks, Warren Sapp, Simeon Rice, those guys. And they are just running it over and over and running all the way into the end zone, you know, through the goal line to finish the drill. And I thought, you know, if he can get those guys to do it in a buy-in like that, and they're all they are all getting it, you know, shoulder pads rolled over and everything. You know, if he can get those guys to to buy in and do that, then then as a high school coach, I got to make it important for my guys. And and so I think that is that's that's one of those things that you got to be able to do uh, as a defensive coach is, is put a lot of emphasis on on pursuit drill. Yeah, that's a great thing to remember and, and, and for, you know, high school guys to hear, especially as we were kind of talking in, in a previous conversation before this one, you know, that that it's 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 really, really going to be difficult for for high school kids, especially on the Division two level, I think, to distinguish and separate themselves and get recruited in this era, era of COVID and guys are staying on campus longer. And so if you're a guy that's not pursuing the football and that's that's who you are on film, then it's going to be really tough for you to get a spot. Everyone in recruiting is looking for that guy that makes them better or some 
So when you took over as as the the D line coach there at OBU, and you kind of you kind of alluded to this already, but you know who did you sort of seek out to to talk to about defensive line play? You know, like who who would you, who would you consider a mentor when it comes to like a fellow D line coach? Yeah. So first off, you know the defensive coordinator, Coach Thompson, we kind of sat down, we kind of built the philosophy that we wanted to uh, to have, and we kind of branched off from there. The old D line coach, Sam Dunham. I reached out to him because we had a pretty good relationship. Talk, talked more about the players and, and the things that he was trying to work with them. Um, the D-line coach that was at Swasu when I was playing, we became pretty close. Um, I reached out to him. Um, and then I worked with a guy um, at Blinn that's now called Eddie Jones. Um, he gave me some pretty good insights, some drills, um, some things that, I, that would probably help me along the way. But, but a lot of it was a trial and error, watching old videos and then really just watching film from the years past to see where they struggled and what I really needed to focus on. Well, talk about now, you know, your, your defensive front there and how you're coaching up your guys, you know, in your individual and group work to be successful uh, specifically against against the run. Talk about how you guys are coaching up uh, defending or defeating uh, double teams.
talking about the center or we were talking about the tackle. Um, a couple things we worked on is throwing the hip that he feels pressure and taking that leg and jamming it through that gap. And now we're trying to sink those hips and break through. Um, another technique that we work when we feel when we feel that pressure on either hip. Now we're essentially going to box out like we're a basketball player. We're going to sink, sink our hips, and we're going to try to drive our foot into that defender. And then the guard that we're still locked up on, we're going to try to use those guys and leverage them against themselves. We're going to lock those arms out, and then we're able to sink and slip through. And uh, I, I think I think most of our guys would prefer trying that box out method. I would prefer the other method because keeps our hips a little bit more in our gap and it helps with power, but I think they sometimes prefer a little bit more finesse move than that. Yeah, I, I always I always and that's exactly how I how I uh sort of try try to, to communicate that with our guys is it's it's like they're boxing out uh, under the under the basket in, in basketball because a lot of them that's they're used to that because they're bigger guys so they, they know how to post up um and, and the the problem that I would always run run into sometimes is you know when they're getting a base double that's really really good but then when they're when they're playing off a zone and maybe you know they're getting a um you know a chip from the center and then the guards overtaking them you know as soon as as soon as they feel that they want to try to turn their hips into the guard and now they're getting reached by the guard and now we're gap removed on a zone play. And so that was always kind of the tricky thing is they got a little they got a little um, uh, spin happy with their hips as soon as someone breathed on them they were already trying to turn their hips into that pressure key, and so that was the the for me that was always the thing that I really had to make sure that they that they didn't do when coaching it up that way. Yeah, I, I agree. That, that's why that's why I prefer trying to fight that pressure with that with that near side foot to get because it just helps you stay square. No, you might not get as vertical through that gap, but they're not going to get as much movement because your surface area, um, you're going to take up more of those guys. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. So you talked about how you guys will play in twos. Talk about why you like two techniques so much and what that does for you. Yeah, I, I think the, hard, the first thing, the hard thing for offense is where are they going to double on zone? Where, where are they going to run their gap, their power, and their counters? We're not out there playing with DTs that are 6'4", 310 pounds. You know, we're, we're playing with guys anywhere from 6'4 to 6'3". But they're still pretty heavy. But it's allowed us to use our quickness and our athletic ability to really think about getting vertical because they're, they're a better athlete than the guard. They know that going into it. So if we can use our quickness and our punch, um, it, it, they can't block us if we get off the football. And I, I, I think it's help those guys that are six foot because sometimes you get you get in the a gap and that guy's six foot and he's going against two three hundred and ten pound guys and there's not much you can do it's just sit there and get ran over and those two techniques the doubles are quicker because they're trying to get off to the backer or there's movement behind them and their eyes are changing so i, I think that's helped us be really successful out of those two so when those guys are playing that two technique are they two gappers Yeah, I got you. I got you. We're not, we're not getting off the ball and just trying to peek and breathe. We're, we're trying to get off that ball and, and set a hard vertical edge at that line of scrimmage. And I'm, I'm definitely 
of the school of or of the mindset of attack and react versus the the you know the other way. Uh, you know, I always say let's let's shoot first and ask questions later when when it comes when it comes to it comes to playing up there. So so let's talk about this then. Talk about your defensive ends now. You know where you're playing those guys and and you know just the different alignments and keys and and things that they're doing. What what are your your defensive ends keying when it comes to you know when they're getting off our you know pre snap and then post snap what what are some things that they're keying? Talk about how you're coaching up spill technique with those guys. Yeah, and, and I know that uh, uh, Greg Madison, who used to be at Michigan, did that as well, uh, talks about that as well. 
uh, and Coach Johnson probably, I think that's probably how they how they play it also there at Ohio State. But yeah, we started doing that a couple of years also and really, really like it because kind of like what you said, you know, in the old way of doing it, you're really trading one for one. Uh, but now, you know, now you can get that defensive end to punch that inside shoulder, get that guy vertical, and then you can buy him back because now he can pop back out and and help you, you know, make a play uh, on something that bounces outside of those pullers. Uh, and, 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 and so I, I, I like that, that way of playing it much better than the old way of, of wrong arm for sure. Exactly. Well, discuss, you know, your favorite drills, uh, coaching cues, things like that that you like to use with your guys. Yeah, so this is kind of a thing I learned from our, our defensive coordinator. He's like, we work stance really, really heavy. He's like, you got to come up with a system and one word terms you can use for these guys to get the stance instead of sit there and talk about the stance every day. So we talk about being shoulder with the heart, coming to the step, squatting the pot, hand down. And just those little keywords like that, I think it helped those guys quite a bit just to understand the actual movement of it instead of just, hey, get the stance, flatten your back, whatever. Um, so they really bought into that pretty good. And the thing that I'm pretty big on um, that we do every day in drill work is we're, we're doing those get-offs like we talked about. Underneath the shoe, Working pad level, so we have a trap bag, then we have two blocks. We have the ball and the stick, so, so we're working a lot of things. We're working moving on ball movement. Then we have the blocks down there, so the guys have a visual key to feel the six-inch step. So they have something tell them, if I, when I step, the block's going to move, I'm going to fall down, I'm going to roll my knee, whatever. Then we work our pass rush, uh, get off some weight on jet stance, um, Locks it out of the way. Now what we're working here is, you know, you probably have 80%, 90% weight on that front hand. We really are trying to look like we're in a three-type stance. You think about your up foot. So if I'm in a left-handed stance, I'm trying to get my right foot out that line of scrimmage. So when I'm stepping, I, I can get I can get as much movement with that uh, with that first step as possible. Another thing that I'm pretty big on. Um, that we work every day in drills, and it's something a different drill every day, um, but we're working some sort of tackling. Um, the thing that I feel like has been incorporated the best for us is we're running through the bags. We have one of those big med balls trying to defeat a cut, and then when we're talking about tackling, we're, we're working on tracking inside hip, toes on toes, rip and run through the ball carrier. But those are some pretty uh, basic drills that we do every day, but we're still going back to those you know you mentioned doing also some block recognition drills talk about how you're doing those are you doing those in pods are you doing those you know on pa on, on slit how, how are you doing that so so we do it a lot of different several different ways um i'll start off by splitting up the defensive tackles and, and the defensive ends and, and when we're just working defensive ends they'll either be an offensive tackle blocking and a tight end blocking and, and we're just going to work a base We'll work a wing trip outside zone type look or a down block. And then when we're working with the DTs, 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I love being able to go down uh, and work with the offensive line because I think that's you get such a better look with with, you know, working against your offensive line than you do like your second or third string defensive lineman, you know, for our in our case, a JV kid. Um, And and it really helps out the offensive line as well. Uh, You know, you kind of it benefits both sides to, to be able to do that. And so I think that's a great way of doing it is, is working a lot with your offensive line. Yeah, no doubt it. You know, and, and it helps to eliminate injuries because you don't have 22 guys around, somebody trying to tackle the ball. Um, you can slow it down. If you have to teach, you can teach. You can control the snap count. We can call the play so there's no confusion and, and you can get a lot of high-quality reps to watch on field. Just curious, out of curiosity, how, you know, how do you guys – organize your practice with, you know, individual time, you know, group time and your team periods. How is that portioned out? Yeah, so kind of just I'll talk from the defensive side and the whole practice side. On defense, we, we try to get out there about ten minutes early before practice. We we already have a ten minute walkthrough scheduled every day. We try to get in a twenty minute walkthrough where we're gonna start out that first thing is just straight formation recognition. Formation checks, motion adjustments. The next 10, now we're going to be running plays uh, versus maybe a new blitz and then twist and then slant. Uh, after we get done with warm up, we usually all go straight to endo and we have a special teams period. Um, and then we have a group period after that where it could be more endo for a certain position. We're, we're all grouped up doing another walkthrough. We're all grouped up doing run pitch. Yeah. 
situation with our drills. Now, when you do that two-minute drill, is is that that one versus one? Is that how, how are you guys doing that? Yes, it's it's usually one versus one. Um, depending on the amount of reps we've got that day in practice, sometimes we'll get twos on twos and threes on threes. But most of the time, we're just going the first group. And defense is usually open sub. Um, it's just a co-op period where we're tagging off. There's, there's no full tackling. We're just trying to get a lot of plays. And depending on the day, our head coach will give us a situation where maybe offense is up. we got to get the stop. They're going to go for it on fourth down or something like that. Or we're, we're up by three with 45 seconds left, and they can't get in the field goal range. So the guys, it's really a big-time competition, really get that blood pump. Yeah, and, and I love the, you know, you talked about the team speeds uh, portion of practice, and that seems like that looks kind of like that's sort of kind of in the middle of, of practice, and I think that's kind of when that lull usually hits in practice, you know, and I think that's a great way to kind of keep things uh, amped up and and, and revved up, uh, you know, for your guys, and, and, and so I, I'm a, a huge fan of, of being able to do that because um, I just think that does a lot for you as far as getting you ready, you know, in-game, game-like pressure situations for both sides of the ball. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And it's a, it's a big competition. You get to take the GG line out there, we get a, we get a stone to one offense. I mean, that, there, there's been fights. The blood's flowing. Uh, there's some chippiness about it. It creates good competition. And, and it helps get those younger guys in the game to see if, all right, this, this guy can play for us or, or we got to figure something else out. Um, and I think Coach and I probably started doing that four or five years ago, and you could just feel the tempo of practice change like you were talking about when that happened, mainly because of the competition, the people trying to stop or trying to score. Um, so I, I feel like it's been pretty successful for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you this to kind of help us segue in. We're, we're going to touch on pass rush here on this, this back half of our conversation. So you talked about doing one-on-ones. Uh, I'm sure you're like, you know, you guys are like everybody else in the country and you do some type of one-on-one pass rush drill with your offensive line. You know, sometimes uh, I, I almost got, you talk about guys getting in fights. Almost, it almost came to blows with an offensive line coach at a, at a coaching convention about the, the merit of the one-on-one pass rush drill with, you know, with the offensive line, defensive line guys. Uh, how are you guys doing that there at OBU? Those guys going, and that's part of that work that we're getting into drills, but not have to feel like you're getting punished after practice for 
Yeah, I, 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 I've seen that before, and that's something we try to do as well. Uh, you know, whenever the drill's over, man, you sprint your butt back through the line of scrimmage. And I think, like you said, in the era of, you know, no-huddle offenses, up-tempo offenses, that that's a great habit to build. But also, I just think it does so much for the tempo of your drill when guys are finishing it, they're getting up and running back. They're not, you know, moseying on back to the line of scrimmage, whether they won or lost. Like, like you know, what, whether you won or lost, like, we got to move on to the next rep. We don't have time to, you know, to celebrate too much or to, you know, to, to – clean up hurt feelings like we got to go on to the next dude so i, I think that's you're right and i think that that effort part of it kind of a competition yeah you want to win the rep but you don't want to get embarrassed by oh i'm tired i'm gonna walk when this guy sprints and he makes me look like a total scrub like that that part of it in itself is another competition inside that drill that's, that stimulates the energy for the for the remainder of practice So now take me in t- kind of inside the film room here a little bit with you guys. And when you're watching uh, uh, an, an offense's pass protection, you know, when you're breaking down an offensive line pass protection, what are some things you're looking at? How are you, how are you breaking down that pass protection? Do you have a system that you like for doing that? Yeah, so usually what we do on, on Sundays, I'll sit down there and kind of break down part of the pass protection. We want to see, uh, are they full man sliding? Are they a half-man, half-slide? What is the back tendency on where these guys are going to set? Um, are they a field pass protection team? Are they a boundary team? Or are they going to be a straight play action? And, and kind of break that down percentage-wise to see where we're going to bring our pressures, where we want to bring our stunts to. And then more, I, I want to I identify the weak link um, of that offensive line, and we're going to expose him. Uh, on third down, we love to get in a 4D package. So that's where we can really expose those, uh, the, the pass, not the pass rush, but the pass uh, protection and that weak link in that offensive line. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of names for that guy. And, and I won't throw those out there because, uh, you know, <laughs> those, those may not always be, uh, uh, you know, family friendly, but. Um, you know, that's, that's the, the guy that, that, that you're looking at and, and, and uh, when it comes to attack and, and that's, that's, that's part of the, to me, that's, that's part of the fun thing about, about doing that sort of thing. It's like, all right, you know, you watch all the film and like, who's this guy, who's the guy we're going to go after, you know, also looking for tells and things like that. Maybe a guy sits high on pass or, you know, maybe he does something with his hands or, or, or staggers his feet or keeps them even on a certain uh, play. Uh, do you guys run into that kind of stuff on the college level, or, or is that stuff pretty much coached out of the out of the game at that point? Well, we're definitely looking for those tendencies. Um, you, you know, you're going to see some teams that are going to be in a three point for run, and maybe the tackles are standing up for two. But but I think the tendency that that we see more than anything is um, for pass protection purposes is obviously the down distance. But where's Back. Yeah, I yeah. think that's probably the thing that we try to look at the most and try to figure out. Okay, this is where we're going to get our two man one on one. That this is where we want to twist, and then we kind of figure out where the slide's going and where we want to blitz from. You can see those other other tendencies, but I feel like more than anything, we're really trying to read where, where's the back lining up and why is it there. When when you're breaking down, you know, an opponent's quarterback, you know, what things do you look at or are you charting for when you're deciding how you're going to attack him? 
can we funnel him when he does escape with the football? Because, you know, that's the most frustrating thing for you play a scrambling quarterback. You get it to third and eight, um, and he converts a first down. It's probably, I think that's almost more demoralizing than getting a touchdown. Um, as a defensive line coach. You're right. So, so we try to figure out if he's going to step up, see a guy that's going to escape the pocket with any kind of pressure. That kind of helps us. Are we going to get a three-man twist with the late looper? Are we going to try to twist him in the middle? Are we just going to try to go straight up because we think we're better than them? Um, and, and we, we look at that part pretty hard. Do we wide the defensive end out to the field? Try to make this guy scramble to the boundary? Um, we kind of look at all those things and see where, you know, where, where they're not very efficient at, where we can really attack that quarterback gap. Yeah, I think that's – I, I think that's that's extremely important when it comes to to you know breaking down an offense you know uh, and that's not always something that I did a good job of you know I, I think it's it's easy to do a good job of of looking at an offensive line and and kind of like what we were just talking about deciding who the weak weak link is and and attack him but you know it's so important to decide you know where does that quarterback like to go when he's feeling pressure okay let's let's funnel him another way to where he's uncomfortable. Because it's not always about getting a sack. It's about making that quarterback uncomfortable and you know, maybe getting to throw a bad pass, you know, throw an errant throw, throw a ball into the dirt, throw it, you know, throw an interception, throw it off his back foot. I think those are equally as important as a defense. Uh, and, and it's it's sometimes we can get caught up in just trying to get a sack. I, I think you're right. I, I was gonna mention I think one of the biggest things that maybe doesn't it gets coached but not to the um, extent that you're coaching fundamental pass rush is your pass rush lane, your aiming point on the quarterback. Um, where can he go for where? Where's our linebacker going to be? I, I think those things, those fundamentals of it, get forgot about. And, and I think the more that we focus on them, guys are going to get them garbage sacks because the quarterback steps up and he knows I'm a big gap player in this pass rush or in this blitz. And, I think that's more important than just having a go daddy that can just win one on one on the edge. Yeah, you're exactly right. Well, what are some drills that you have that you like to work in practice for for pass rush? Yeah, so um, but first, what what we're gonna do? We're gonna work uh, the pop up bags. We're gonna work down the line. People call it bags down the line. I can't remember what video I saw, but I saw a D line coach making me do it without hands. It's just working on getting the hips around the bag, seeing if the guys can even open those hips up. We're going to do that every day. Well, almost every day when we have the opportunity to work the process, but we're going to go down um, with no hands, getting getting our hips around the bag. We're going to tight turn on the last one. We're going to finish with the all-out effort sprint. Then we'll come back and we'll either work a club rip. Sometimes we'll just work a stab to get those hips open. Then we're going to go to a, a hoop drill or a spot drill. They're kind of sort of the same thing. I, I'm not a big proponent of the hoops because it teaches some bad fundamentals with, with guys. I, I like the hoop where we're just running half of it. It makes them turn that inside toe in, get the weight inside so we can really grip and stay low. Um, and we'll have a guy with the arm shield that work hands constantly, trying to knock down, trying to get that pressure up. But I like the spot drill where we're setting the cone up three yards behind um, the offensive player. The DB 
defensive line is reacting to our movement. They're trying to beat us to the spot. They're trying to knock hands down. They're trying to get that tight turn and finish back to the quarterback. That, that's probably the drill that I, that I work with the guys more than anything. Because it's a reactionary drill, that they have a spot that they're trying to win to. And it's the same thing I coach when we're talking about pass rush in, in a game. You find that spot that you can beat that tackle to or that guard to when you beat him. All right, let's go get a sack. Um, and then next, almost every day, we're, we're going to work a quarterback scramble type drill. Is it just on boots or is it on a guy in the pocket? Sometimes I'll do it with all four guys. Um, we have a we, we have a number system on the quarterback where it's a one, two, three, four, if you're left to right. It, it just helps those guys understand. And sometimes we'll just do it with two guys. We're stepping up, we're rolling out, and I feel like if I don't work it, I can tell we're not as good at practice at that. When we work it, we're pretty good at containing that quarterback, and that's something that has to be reinforced to those guys every day. Because all I hear from most people is get off the ball and sprint um, and forget about containing that quarterback. Exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right. Explain that numbering system you just you just talked about. that all that all kind of goes into the concept of uh you know aim small miss small you know if you just go go sack the quarterback well that's not really specific and I think giving those guys some specific aiming points to help them understand how they all you know work together and how their their pass rush coordinates together to to you know to keep that quarterback from escaping I think that definitely helps yes sir sure well let's as we kind of wrap up our, our discussion here uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, working this fall, uh, talk about, you know, the, 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 your conference didn't play, play football this fall. The GAC didn't play. Uh, are you guys going to get any scrimmages this spring? Are you doing anything this spring or is it just going to be like normal spring ball? How's that going to work? Yeah, for, for the most part, it's going to be normal spring ball. You know, there's a possibility that we could get a scrimmage in with, a um, with another team outside of the conference, but you know, that. I'm not going to count my count the count my eggs yet because it's so far away. You know, everything's ever changing. But we're hoping that happens just for the competition and really see where things are because you know, we're, we're almost going to be a whole year before we should play a game. We're actually more than a year. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, 
you know, this, uh, I, no doubt, I'm, I'm sure that the, the fall was a really just strange time for you, uh, you know, when you're used to, to coaching and, and, and kind of being in the grind of a season and, you know, looking around and seeing other college programs, you know, play and, and watching that on TV, but not really being a part of it yourself. But I'm sure there's also some good things that came out of it as well. So, you know, what's, thing, what's one thing that you got to do this fall that you would normally never be able to do because you're coaching football? One's more football related and one, you know, one's outside of football. The football related thing that I, I feel like that we got to do this fall is we got to study so much more. Like in the spring, we, we studied, but then everyone were, were quarantined, we're not at work, you know, that they, they made everyone work from home. But we got to experiment with a lot of stuff this fall and try a lot of things, watch a bunch of different films, talk to a bunch of different people, um, watch other college games and, and experiment. Absolutely. Yeah. I saw that, you know, being, being friends with some, some division two coaches on social media and got to see some things that they were able to do, you know, whether it was hunting or, you know, taking their wives to, you know, different parts of the country to see, you know, uh, the leaves change or whatever, you know, just different things that, that coaches never, ever even think about getting to do. Uh, but because the season was suspended, we're able to do that. And so I, I would imagine that was, you know, although it's 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 painful not to be playing, but that that's something that you know you got to be able to take advantage of because uh, you know you got to make the most of, of of a you know otherwise bad situation. Well, here here's a question for you. Um, you know, we just wrapped up a a college football season uh, with Alabama winning winning a national championship. We're in the NFL playoffs now uh, and, and getting ready to close that out. Uh, who is your favorite defensive lineman, college or pro? To, not on your team to, to watch play. So I, I'm, I'll give you three NFL guys because I, I don't know why I gravitated more to watching NFL games. I watched a lot of college games, but I studied NFL more. And I thought, these, obviously, Aaron Donald, number one, one of the most impressive human beings um, you're going to see play defensive line. I mean, he, he's, well, he's, he's the average height, six foot, 280 pounds, with unbelievable twitch and explosion. Um, number 96, Truman Harris, his last name six. Defensive tackle, love the way he gets vertical. We would actually, I would sit for the D line and we'd watch games and I'd made him watch him. And then a guy that came out of nowhere for the Saints, number 91, Hendricks, Hendrickson, he, he's an unrelentless pass rusher. I've never seen a guy in the NFL with the type of motor he had. He wasn't the most talented, but just the effort. Um, that he played with, it, it was just, it was unbelievable. And then college, I, I couldn't even tell you, I just like watching uh, schematically what they do on defense and just seeing some of those crazy things those guys do. It's just, it's just fun to watch when you're not playing versus 
actually step back and actually analyze the game on TV. And it was kind of fun. I, I can't get used to it, but for a semester, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, here's a question for you. So when you're watching an NFL game, college football game, whatever, uh, do you do you find yourself watching the offense more or or what the defense is doing more? I think it depends on the flow of the game. If you're watching a game where there's a lot of points scored, I, I think I tend to watch um, the defense and see like what what are they doing wrong, and a lot of it is missed assignments and alignments. They're not getting lined up right. The calls aren't communicating. Then I think it's flip back and forth between what I watch, you know, um, but I think most of the time I find myself watching the offense as if I were, you know, breaking them down. Like, you know, they, they break the huddle, they get to the line of scrimmage, and I'm saying the personnel grouping in my head. Okay, and the, you know, formation. All right. Um, and then, you know, looking at, okay, that was, you know, that was a split zone, or that was, oh, that was a GF counter, or whatever. And just kind of, you know, looking at that, and, and, and so a lot of times, you know, people's comment or coaches will say, hey, what about so-and-so, what they did on defense? And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't really, really watch them defensively, but just because I guess I'm used to watching an offense, you know, uh, and I just like seeing what they're doing and how they're uh, doing things. It would probably, uh, you know, serve me better to, to, to look more on the defensive side of the ball, but that's usually where I gravitate towards. Yeah, yeah, right. So you want to see, well, what are they doing? Why is that successful? You know, what, what are they doing out of this formation? And I, I, I think it's I think it's interesting because I think the offensive coach will probably say, well, I'm going to watch the defense. Yeah. Uh, I want to see what the defense is doing. And, and it's kind of fun to be able to talk about and see, you know, what, what the ticks are of those plays or why certain coaches watch certain things when they're watching football. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, speaking of coaches, if you could have dinner with any football coach in America, who would you choose and why? I, I, I want to have dinner with Mike Leach. <laughs> uh, I, I know that's crazy. He's a great guy. He doesn't care about defense, but he's just an interesting person. I, I don't know why he intrigues me. You know, he has some crazy quotes. He's off the wall. I actually have one of his books. It's called Moving the Sword. Oh, yeah, it's a great um, book. Yeah, you could probably get into the weeds pretty quick uh, there with a dinner with with uh, with Coach Leach. I'm trying to think like what where would you go to eat? What kind of what restaurant would you go with with Mike Leach? Like I I don't I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> you know Mike, dude, you're probably gonna have to go somewhere. Oh, I tell you what, it could be in Texas. Okay, we're gonna go to Davis Barbecue. Oh, there you go. It is. See that you're speaking my language now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
thing, uh, you know, us coaches always talk about recruiting. We need to write a book. We kind of like a supervisor type deal, but it's for coaches and, and tell the best places to eat in towns because, you know, obviously, D2, you're not making the money that some of those D1 coaches are, but the experiences you have, the places you get to go visit, the places you eat, and the people you meet in those places, that, that's a pretty cool experience for the job. That maybe not, you don't think about, because most people just think about what you do on Saturdays. They, they forget about the other six days of the week, which makes the Saturdays fun. Okay, I'm putting you on the spot here. Can you give us, are there any restaurants like hole in the wall places that you've come across in your, you know, in your time recruiting on the road? So this, this is what I lived in Brenham, Texas. It's the best barbecue joint I've, I've ever ate at. Um, it's called Truth Barbecue. Um, it, it opens at 11. If you're not there at 11, don't go because they're going to run out. And then in Arkansas, well, there, there's a really good, uh, it's a burger place in Monticello, Arkansas. It's called like Wade's. It's like a drive-in, dairy bar type place, but it, it, it's really good. I mean, I, I can name about a hundred places that I, those two I was actually talking about today. So those those are the two that came to mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know that that is you know, that's a great idea. You might be onto something there. You know, a coach coach has been able to. Uh, to, to write a book about these restaurants. And that may be a question we have to throw out on Twitter and see the response we get about, you know, shouting out these little restaurants because, you know, all, you know most coaches love to eat and they're going to find them a good place to eat uh, whenever they're out on the road for sure. So that's, that's, that may not be a bad idea. You may need to look into that uh, this all season about putting that together. That's the first thing we talk about when we know, we're sure we're going to start calling people yeah absolutely absolutely and i guarantee everyone listening knows exactly what you're talking about um all right coach well, well one last question we'll get you out of here on this one so you know as we are you know in the 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 full swing of, of clinic season uh, and, and, you know, we're not really sure what that's going to look like for a lot of us, you know, across the country. Some guys will be able to go to clinics. Some guys can be doing, you know, completely, you know, virtual. Uh, but what's one book or maybe another resource that you would recommend other coaches checking out this offseason? See how you block things and how you do things. 
Yeah, absolutely. It always helps to 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 study the other side and see, you know, what they see and and how they you know how they view things and and what gives them issues. So that's great advice. Uh, I, I'm sure we no doubt have offensive line coaches who listen to this podcast. In fact, I know we do, uh, for the very same reason, just trying to see what the other side is doing. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 great advice for sure. Uh, well, well, coach. Thank you so much uh, for coming on and joining us today. Want to wish you and, and the Wachita Baptist Tigers the best of luck as you head into this this spring season and and hopefully what is a as as normal as as we can hope for twenty twenty one season. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you to talk a little bit, and kind of share the inside of kind of how we do things at Wachita, just the culture and philosophy that we built here. Thanks again to Coach Brian for joining us today. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Coach Brian. That's at Coach, B-R-Y-E-N. Let him know you heard him here on KYPD. And while you're at it, give us a follow as well at KYPD Podcast. The link to our brand new merch store can be found there in our bio on our Twitter page, also in the show notes of today's episode. Anyway, give that a look and pick you up some great-looking gear. Support your favorite podcast. Not only will you look great, but you'll remind everyone around you to keep their pads down. Also, I want to remind you about another way that you can grow and connect with other D-line coaches, and that is with the best chat on Twitter for us D-line coaches, which is the Tuesday night disruption chat hosted by Coach Peter Noonan. Uh, That starts at 7.30 Central, and you can find it by using the hashtag disruption chat. Coach Noonan, who can be found on Twitter at CoachNoonan45, does a great job of hosting that each week. So if you coach D-line or you just want to hang out with some for an hour, then join us Tuesday night at 7.30 Central for Disruption Chat. Speaking of growing and getting better, our quote of the day goes like this. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's Proverbs chapter 27, verses 17. Well, I hope you were sharpened up by listening to the podcast today. And we'll be back next week for episode number 91, a really special episode for me in particular and and one that I know you'll enjoy. So subscribe now so you never miss an episode. Leave us a review and help us spread the word about our show here. And finally, most importantly, keep your pads down, man.